Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, a friend of mine named Matt gave me an article, and it was an essay written in The Atlantic by a woman named Kristen McConnell. She's a nurse. Her article was all about how teachers need to go back to work and schools because they are essential workers. And so here is the best paragraph I read. She wrote, so I can understand that teachers are nervous about returning to school, but they should take a cue from their fellow essential workers and do their job. Even people who think there's a fundamental difference between a nurse and a teacher in a pandemic must realize that there isn't one between a grocery store worker and a teacher in terms of obligation. People who work at grocery stores in no way signed up to expose themselves to disease, but we expect them to go to work, and they did. If they had not, society would have collapsed. What do teachers think will happen if working parents cannot send their children to school? Life as we know it simply will not go on. And she goes on to make some very just interesting points about her job and what she had to face as a nurse going in to work with COVID patients and making her point that it's now teachers' turn to go to work to be essential workers. What did you think about her essay? Totally agree with her point. I think the comparison between teachers and the grocery store workers is kind of interesting. I remember early COVID, I happened to have an N95 mask that I had bought when I was doing some painting and sanding. So early on, I went to the grocery store with that on, and the person working at the grocery store had no mask and said, you have a great mask. Where can I get a mask like that? And I thought, hey, I have one, and I'm wearing it. Like, these people are in danger. And you're absolutely right. Things would have collapsed without them, without the Costco employee, without the grocery store employee doing their job, probably the worst time ever of their career. Yet they did it. They showed up. I think it's our turn to show up. I do think she makes a good point about society needing teachers so that kids can go to school, so that parents can get back to work. My wife and I, ironically, are in education, and we're now kind of trying to juggle these sorts of circumstances. The one thing, though, that I was reading and I kept thinking a lot about is, yes, I could say teachers are essential workers, but I do think schools and hospitals are very different places. And I just kept thinking in terms of when I've had to go to the doctor during COVID, the first thing I do is they give me a new mask and then they swipe my forehead and take my temperature. They then make me go and sit alone. And that is gonna be very different than how a lot of schools are gonna be opening up where you've got lots of kids, crowded hallways, we don't really have the capacity to do any sort of testing or temperature taking. And therefore, I just started wondering, is this a fair comparison? I think it could be. It's a little off, as you said. But hospitals bring in sick people, and schools can get rid of them, just send them out. I mean, if schools had their act together, because they've had since March, they should be able to get some temperature monitoring equipment going on. I know our gym opened just for the outdoor pool. When you check in, they have a little monitor where it takes your picture and tells you your temperature. We should be able to do that at schools, and we can take our sick people out of there. Certainly, there is crowding and other issues, but it's not something we can't handle. Plus, this is six months down the road from when this first hit. We should have better equipment, better knowledge. We should be better able to handle this than they were in the beginning, and this all was in the lurch. You use the word should, and she does take a paragraph to talk about how she wishes there was a better plan for America. I kind of wondered, how much do you think her essay is reflecting just a general anger and frustration with the fact that here we are six months later, and we still really have no national plan. We still really don't have everybody on the same page about whether or not to wear a mask. And I kind of wonder if we should be thinking a lot more about how we got here. Why is it that 
We now have nurses yelling at teachers to go back to work. We've got teachers saying, I'm not a martyr. I don't want to die. Everybody now just seems to be pointing fingers at each other. The public seems to be pointing fingers at schools, both saying, start up the schools, don't start up the schools. And there just seems to be like a real vacuum of leadership. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's a vacuum of leadership. And I think part of the leadership that President Trump does provide is blaming people. And he wants to blame somebody for anything. And I think that's what Americans want right now is to blame another person, blame the teachers, blame the doctors, blame the people that wear masks or don't wear masks or the scientists or the president. It's easy to blame somebody. It's an easy way out rather than just really looking at evaluating our behavior and making a tough decision to not do the things we want to do and to prevent this disease from spreading. Well, we've seen in the South so far where some of these schools have opened up and, and almost immediately within a week, you've seen virus numbers kind of increase. Do you think knowing that there's a high chance that, that the virus would come to schools, do you think it's still worthwhile to open them? Oh, I don't know. We want this. I want the schools to open. My wife and I want the schools to open. We want we our kids want to go to school. To but I'm not sure. It's just wishful thinking. As we saw with uh, Big Ten football today was canceled and Pac-12 football was canceled. I mean, just because we want it to happen doesn't mean necessarily mean it should happen. It could happen if we really took prevention seriously like they did in New York City. But it doesn't seem like we're much like New York City at all. And a friend of mine, you know, made an argument to me. He's like, we haven't earned the right to have schools be open. And I thought it was an interesting point he was making because his point was just, we as a society have shown that we're not very good at being socially distant. We're not very good at wearing masks. We're not very good at following the protocols. We have not taken these months to set up a national testing standard where anybody who wants a test can go get one and then get immediate results so that we can make better decisions. And therefore, have we earned the right to be able to open up schools and to be able to open up larger gatherings of people? No, we haven't. We haven't made the hard decisions and the hard actions to prevent that from happening. I mean, everybody wants to go back to their life. I think that's what the real thing that's mesmerizing about the idea of a vaccine is that it can is the easy way out. It's just all of a sudden in people's minds, we are quickly back to normal. But that even that is not the case. And it's a lot tougher to do the things that we're really should be doing. It's a fascinating essay and I encourage everybody to do that. I will be putting a link to the essay in the show notes. So please definitely go and check it out. I can't argue with the general premise of it. I just don't know if logistically it still makes sense if you know what I'm saying. The numbers are high and it's a lot of people hard to control. It's not like a hospital where you can regulate it so tightly. You mentioned though this idea of the vaccine and everybody wanting a vaccine to come here. The other article I just wanted to talk about this week was in the Washington Post. It was an article talking about how are we as a society putting way too much faith in a vaccine and that all of a sudden everything's just gonna go away. And so here's the best paragraph I read. It said, as the plot line advances, so do expectations. If people can just muddle through a few more months, the vaccine will land, the pandemic will end, and everyone can throw their masks away. But best case scenarios have failed to materialize throughout the pandemic and experts who believe wholeheartedly in the power of vaccines foresee a long path ahead. It seems to me unlikely that a vaccine as an off switch or a reset button where we will go back to pre-pandemic times, said Yonatan Grad, an assistant professor of infectious diseases. 
Or as Columbia University virologist Angela Rasmussen puts it, it's not like we're going back to land in Oz. And the article just kind of goes on to talk a lot about how this is not just a, the vaccine is here and everything just changes. It talks about sort of the struggle that we as a nation could be facing once vaccines are here. What do you think of this article, Don? Well, it's clearly wrong because the Russians have a vaccine. Vladimir Putin says it works. He also says he doesn't murder people. But we're, we're set. The Russians have saved us. And thanks to Mother Russia, everything will be back to normal starting tomorrow, right? I saw that today, and it was amazing how nobody on CNBC, which was the channel I was watching, was even taking it seriously. They were just like, where's the data? This seems very convenient. You know, nobody in the national press seemed to be taking it very seriously. But they are producing the vaccine that they think is going to work, the British vaccine from Oxford University in India. There's a family that's pumping this out as fast as they can in the anticipation of it being working. And that government, supposedly there are hearing from government figures and leaders all over the world that want this vaccine. Everybody wants it because it's the instant solution, or it seems to be instant solution. As the article makes clear, it isn't the instant solution. Not everybody's going to be able to get it that quick. It may not be that effective. It may last a year. They said that the measles vaccine is 98% effective, but the common cold and flu vaccine is only 40 to 60% effective. So we don't know which this one is. It will be an improvement, but it's not going to instantly get us back to where we want, which is what everybody wants. Well, and they also talked about how the real struggle is this information campaign, trying to educate the public that even if we have a vaccine, and I also thought in all those statistics that you mentioned that currently the standard that the government is willing to pay for a new vaccine is 50% effective rating. Basically, that's going to mean that we're going to need like two thirds of our population to have this vaccine in order to get herd immunity. But inevitably, there will be mistakes or there could be issues that happen where the vaccine's out, but still people are getting sick. People are probably still dying. They said that when the polio vaccine came out, polio dropped by 80%, but there were still breakouts that happened for years. And the idea of trying to keep the population focused on, look, it's getting better, it's getting better, but you still need to wear a mask or you still need to be socially distant. You still need to wash your hands regularly. They even cited, you know, you might not be able to go to a pro football game still for a couple of years, and that's just going to be really hard for our population. Do you think people can handle this? I don't think they just want to have the solution. But at the same time, there's a lot of kind of weariness of the vaccine. And I know you mentioned the polio vaccine and the setback. That was when a company that should, have been, should not have been manufacturing the vaccine messed it up and put out live polio. And a lot of people got polio from the vaccine, which flipped people out. But everything has changed since then. That was a long, long, long time ago. The vaccine procedures are much, much better. But you're right. People are very wary of the vaccine. I keep asking all the people I know, and for the most part, really smart people, both in the medical profession and otherwise, my friends and a PhD from an Ivy League. And I said, do you want to get the vaccine right away? Because I personally do. I'm ready to take it the second Vladimir gives it to me. But <laughs> other people are very wary. They're like, eh, we'll let other people do it. We'll let other people do this. Like, why? Why would you wait? Just get it done. And until people really jump on board, then you're going to see little effect. That's what's going to prevent us from moving on. And then you still have to keep wearing a mask and you still have to miss your big sporting event, which is what it is. Well, and it's interesting you said that because our nation does have a sizable population of people that don't believe in vaccines. 
as you were saying, I'm going to assume your friends that you were talk to, talking to are college educated and, and not anti-vaccines, but they probably are also aware that vaccine research and production is usually something that takes decades, not a year. I think what a lot of people are nervous about is what are the side effects of some of these vaccines? You don't really know those until you've had a lot of time to study it, which is not necessarily going to happen. You and I, I believe it was our third podcast, we talked about COVID trials and the idea of literally needing to get people that are willing to take, to put COVID in their body to see if vaccines are going to work. But the idea that it's still a rushed issue and that you're never going to quite be able to figure out all the side effects when you start putting these things out there. So I could see where there's a lot of doubt. Yeah, I guess so. I, I just don't believe it myself. I'm ready to take it. I mean, I know there are anti-vax people. I've read a lot about it. I happened to run into one on a school playground who I said something about who doesn't vaccinate their kids. And I got ripped upside and one down the other. I was like, wow, I can't imagine that people think this way, but this person was very vehement. I just don't get it. I, I, I trust the science and I'm pretty sure it's going to be okay. I'm not nervous about it at all. But other people certainly are wary, but I don't think they see the connection between, they want the vaccine to say, all right, it's all good now, but yet they don't want to really take the vaccine. So how are you going to make it all good unless you do that? It reminds me of things like weight loss pills or the, the special milkshake that you can drink and you can lose lots of weight. And it's sort of the silver bullet, as they were saying in the article, where you don't have to have any more pain or you don't have to go through the hard part of just eating right and working out more. Instead, here it is. And it's kind of like, look, everybody, once we get this vaccine, we don't have to worry about the fact that we never really had a national testing plan. We, we just, we, we put all our eggs in the vaccine basket. And there's just so many little nuances to that. You know, the article talked about the idea of it might take weeks for the antibodies to build up in your body. So you got to still, as you were saying, wear a mask, or you might need multiple booster shots of this thing to make sure that it's staying in your body. And you got to keep up with those sorts of appointments. Therefore, we could be quickly walking around with a false sense of security. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't there. And now all of a sudden, we're once again having another wave of coronavirus. Why well, the waves are coming and coming and coming? Because even if the vaccine is remarkably effective, like you said, people aren't going to get it or they're not going to keep up on their shots. I know talking to some people that they don't vaccinate their kids for the HPV virus, which is a amazing vaccine that prevents cervical cancer. But yet they're just like, eh, I don't really want to go into it. My kid doesn't like shots. Like, it's very blasé. And as soon as the numbers go down, we'll see it pop back up the way it has with measles. Your analogy is interesting about um, weight loss thing. I was thinking of the analogy of the boy who gets in an argument with his girlfriend and then wants it to be all better right away. Well, it's not all better right away. It's not going to get all better. You're going to have to work your way through some things to get it to be better. Right. I guess it's the one thing that I really wish back in March, America's leaders would have laid out a long-term plan for everything and said, look, if you want football in the fall, if you want schools to open in the fall, if you want some semblance of getting back to normal, then between now and then, we are going to take some of the stimulus money. We're going to set up a national testing plan. We need everybody to wear masks and respect social distancing laws. And I feel like maybe 
people would have maybe got that better. But instead, I feel like we just kind of got onto the headlines of Johnson & Johnson is already building their facility to produce 1 billion vaccines if all the testing can work. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, you watch the stock market on days where there's positive news about a, about a vaccine and all of a sudden the stock market just erupts as everybody thinks maybe we're closer to this day where it's just going to be over. But this article was just kind of I guess I could just say kind of depressing as it just was a cold reminder of this is still going to be a slog even when there is a vaccine. Yeah. And by the way, we don't have an HIV vaccine either. Like it's not, and that's been around for quite some time and there's been some money and time put into it. It's not a magic solution. And you're right. If then statements by the leadership would have been very helpful. But I see a leadership vacuum at almost all levels. Everybody seems to be looking up to the person above them saying, how do we do this? What do we do? And governors had to take over because the president abdicated his responsibility to lead. But at the same time, at the state level and the county level and the school district level, everybody seems to be scrambling to figure out what's going to do and looking around at what other people are doing. It would be really nice if we had a leader that said, all right, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, if you want football, wear a damn mask. And maybe we could knock this thing out. Also, if we really shut down, like in Spain, they didn't let kids outside their apartments for like three or four weeks, even in their tiny little big city apartments. We never really shut down that hardcore. We shut down a bit, but it was only like a 50% shutdown, really. And if we'd done it right, we could have gotten rid of this thing, but we haven't. And people won't learn until their loved ones are sick or they're sick or they, somebody they know are sick, it seems. And that's what's so interesting. We've talked about this in also previous podcasts of just sort of the American mindset of really prioritizing their individual freedoms, not necessarily listening to the facts or wanting to, to follow the advice of, of scientists. It's kind of led us to where we're at. And therefore, everybody now seems to be just sort of putting every egg into this vaccine basket, which is probably not a bad basket to be betting on. But I think it's that idea of just the short term, it's over, right? We won, we did it, we, we made the vaccine. And yet there's a reason why there's many, many, many companies making many, many different versions of their own vaccine because we're still not quite sure which one's actually gonna work or be the most effective. Absolutely, and we just hope and hope and hope. The other thing I found interesting in this article was they just talked about distribution. The idea of it's really difficult to make hundreds of millions, in fact, billions of a vaccine very quickly. It's usually something that takes years. And so one of the interesting things they brought up was just the idea of, well, who gets the first, let's say, 50 million vaccines, right? Do we give it to the elderly, our most vulnerable population? Or do you give it to your essential workers people like nurses and teachers, for instance? Or do you think it's ultimately your friends, the billionaires, talked about them last week, or the rich and connected political class that all get to get a vaccine first? How do you see that playing out? Maybe we should just give it to the young people, the ones that are spreading it around more than anybody else. I, I don't know. Good point. I don't know. I don't know how they carry that out. I guess you could go healthcare workers, and then from there on, you could say educators, maybe grocery store employees, or maybe you say anybody that wants it, and maybe not that many people will want it to go get in the, to get it. So I'm not sure how you distribute it. It's still a little bit pie in the sky to think that it'll be available to everybody when and if it maybe works. That's a really interesting point. What if they do have it everywhere and you just say, well, hey, everybody, if you'd like it, go get it. And 
the lines just aren't nearly as long as we were hoping. And now all of a sudden trying to get that magical herd immunity becomes really difficult. Yeah. And then it'll be like what they do with, uh, isn't it polio in uh, Pakistan where it still pops up where they have to go and vaccinate everybody in a village to try and get the polio virus to go away. I mean, it's a fight that goes on forever and ever and ever. The most reassuring thing to me was in the Bill Gates article we talked about last week when he said, I think this is uh, pretty much over in the U.S. at the end of 2021 and the rest of the world in the end of 2022. That made me feel better because I'm a little bit pessimistic in the idea that we're really going to control this thing in America just by our tenacity and uh, desire. <laughs> at some point you have to go more than just having a heart on fire there right you're right bill gates did give an interview to wired magazine and he did seem optimistic although frustrated with the current national plan but he did feel like eventually we're we're kind of you know making our way to to something that can work but i guess is it one of those things where school districts could could they mandate that you can't come back to school if you until you have the vaccine is that something they are they allowed to do that do you know which state has the highest vaccination rates? I don't. You will never guess it. It is Mississippi. Mississippi is the state that leads the nation in vaccinations because you can't go to public school in Mississippi unless you get your kids vaccinated. There's no opting out for religious or principal decisions. And so they all get vaccinated. And I would love it if the school district said you have to be vaccinated before you come back. Or maybe you say you have to be vaccinated before you can play sports or do theater or join in the uh, choir because all those things spread the, vac the virus around. And I would really like to see that, but I, I don't know if they, can get a, if they can do that. And maybe the anti-vaxxers will stick with online schools and they can do that too. I think we're gonna have a whole lot of online schools of great varying degrees of quality coming up soon because a lot of people are gonna stay out. That's a really interesting point about school. And again, getting back to normal is do you think this is a new normal where next year, the year after, there's just forever more a percentage of families and students that don't want to return to school? Maybe they just want to get online education or have that option because either one, they've gotten a taste of it and they liked sort of options it gave their families, or two, they just still don't believe it's safe. I think they'll be saying one thing and in the back of their head knowing the other like the convenience of just kind of getting through it and not having to do the in-person being with other people, which really I think is what we need is that we need students to be around each other to learn the interpersonal skills that are, that are seem to be seldom used in our society. And that's something that's just at a loss. So I hope they come back. I hope that we go back to normal and I hope it's by the end of 2021. My wife was depressed when I told her that, but I actually, pretty upbeat that seems like an end zone and i can look towards it's better than what we've currently got right now that's for sure and i would agree with you i don't think i've seen a young person that has not said they don't want to go back to school in the district that i currently live in my next door neighbor found out that he's going to be starting remote he was really kind of depressed about it just i'm tired of being home as you said the social part is so huge about what schools provide especially those kids that are pretty isolated and they wanted, they really yearn out to see people. You and I are fortunate in that we've, we're with our spouses. We've found people that we enjoy spending time with and we have a redeeming life at home. That isn't the case for many other people. Well, and also both of our children have a sibling. 
you know, you think about that just aspect of if you were an only child and just how hard that might be sometimes to just not have somebody to play with or fight with even. Ah, yes, the fighting. I've, I've heard of that. <laughs> have you had a little bit at your house? Yes, more than a little bit. A little bit of disagreements, but we're working. We're working through it. I always seem to be the uh, classic uh, wrestling, pro wrestling referee where I'm always missing the illegal chokehold or <laughs> the illegal block that got thrown. And then I'm just, uh, you know, somebody's yelling at me because I missed it. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, the job that I'm often cornered into is declare a winner of this fight. Who was at fault? Who won? And I try not to do that, and it just doesn't go well. I don't know. I recommend both these articles to anybody listening. They're just, they're good at, you know, opening your perspective and stuff like that. I'll definitely have both links posted in our show notes. Don, anything else you want to add about either of these articles? I have high hopes and I know that Mother Russia has our back, so we should be okay. Let's go back right now. We can get those football teams on the field. That, that would be interesting if Putin said, like, America, I, I'd like to help you. <laughs> like to sell them to you right kind of like a mocking sort of thing <laughs> and would our president buy them from him and what do you what would he get he'd get chicken eggs would it be real would it be uh some sort of poison radioactive stuff that putin uses on his enemies who knows i'm kind of intrigued what if russia actually does this first and they are the leader despite the fact they're a failing state with one broken aircraft carrier I mean, I guess I would say that one, like there's a lot of educated Russian people and I do believe like they have scientists that clearly know what they're doing. They all, they are the sort of society that has a government that if it wants something that can really push a lot of resources into it probably pretty quickly. So I guess you can't totally just discount that they have a vaccine, right? I mean, I guess my thing is, is have they done all the trials and all the studies behind it? Because technically we've got companies that have vaccines but now we're just trying to do the science part of proving it. Maybe Russia either did or did not do that part. Who knows? They certainly have smart people. It's just a bizarrely governed state, and I can't believe anything that Putin says, but yet he's a comic foil at all times. Well, Don, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, I look forward to talking with you next week. Sounds good. Have a good one, Zach. Take care.